0: Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, wherever the heck you are. <clears throat> Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm Scott Lees here with my co-host and friend Richard Harris, and today we are joined by Blake Hudson, Sales Manager of Victory Lap, coming to us from Chicago, Illinois, with the beautiful view of Lakeshore Drive in the background. How's it going, Blake? It's going great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man, we uh, we're on a big kick right now to kind of. You know, highlight some people who are maybe less known, up-and-comers, if you will, and and just try to amplify some uh, some different voices. And we've both been, you know, really impressed by some of the things that the content you produce in, and and uh, you know, you've been uh, coming to different events and getting your name out there and whatnot. So uh, we're excited to talk to you and see what uh, what we can learn from you, you know, today and what you're what you've been uh, building and going through. So why don't you tell us? Briefly, and tell the audience briefly about what you do. Tell us what Victory Lap is and what your, your role there is so people have some context.
1: Got it. Um, Victory Lap is a fantastic organization. We are a sales education company. Um, I actually went through Victory Lap as a candidate a few years back. Um, was an SDR at a fintech company in Chicago and have now come back home to be employee eight and the uh, sales team of one at the moment. Um, but we basically want to democratize the sales profession, you know, historically, it seems that sales is only for a certain type of person who has a certain type of personality. And as you both know, uh, it is open to all people for success, you know, a wide variety of perspectives, backgrounds, attitudes, um, can succeed in sales. And so what we do is we provide them with the fundamental skills, and the fundamental mindset that they need to succeed in sales. Um, so I want to sp- back up. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Rick.
2: Yeah, so I'm, this is super exciting for me. Um, but I just want to give a little bit more context, right? Are you guys more of a B2C play, a B2B play? What's your sales cycle like? Deal size? Just again, we always like people to understand what's the, per- the current perspective, not that you haven't done others as well.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things there one there's a pre-covid victory lap and now we're making some pivots so what i tell you today might very well be different in four weeks but historically we you know have candidates come in they get trained that is at no cost to the to the candidate and then we help place them with our employer partners so it's kind of like that education staffing model Um, but moving forward that that could look very different i know for now we have a remote team Selling on behalf of a very large, successful organization, and so I look at that kind of as an apprenticeship. You go through the training, you get three months or more to build out your your resume, if you will. And for you know a career changer or a college grad, that is fantastic.
0: That's, That's like
2: you get some real experience under that, the belt.
0: Yeah.
2: What? So. so talk. Define democratize the sales profession. I love the phrase, but it's a buzzword. What do you? It, mean? It is, and it can be. Who is I, who's I'm the stereotype too? So. <laughs> Oh, good. All right. We're going to drill down hard. Um, so what do we think is the the stereotype bias of a traditional salesperson? And how are you trying to democratize it? And what does the democratized salesperson now look like?
1: Got it. So I think that the typical salesperson was your hard charger, um, fast talker, maybe a slickster, if you will. There's definitely some negative stereotypes that go along with that, both that individual and the profession of sales, if you will. And honestly, there's a lot, I think, of stereotypes in terms of like backgrounds, uh, the schools they go to, the activities. I don't know, but there's this really high correlation with lacrosse and sales for some reason. I unfortunately didn't get to play lacrosse, so I don't fit that demographic. But in terms of what we're doing and and how that changes moving forward, you know, sales might have that reputation of sleazy, slicksters. But what we try and teach at Victory Lab is that, you know, sales is about solving problems for customers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just don't know what they are yet. So I think that is the big mindset shift. And in terms of who, you know, it's bringing people from underrepresented backgrounds. I'd say our cohorts are typically average 30% people of color. Fifty um, percent when you include uh, females in that. So it's diversifying it. It's it's opening up to people like me who was in politics for ten years to recent grads who might not have even known this as a career path. Why did you did there. you?
2: I was going to ask you that. You know, um, why did why do you think you didn't look at sales? What made you look at sales as a profession? Um, you know, we've talked to Kevin Dorsey, he's talked a lot about being the only, whether he's at a sales conference or speaking or, you know, those kinds of things. Like, and, you know, I, I, I hope you don't mind us sort of pushing there, but I think it's really relevant and prevalent that we should talk about it. So for sure, if you, you know, what made you want to get in, move from one profession into sales?
1: What made the move? Um, mm-hmm. I'd realized that I had been selling my whole life and I wanted to be in sales and paid like a salesman, get better as a what is, salesman. What do you really mean selling simple? your
2: whole life? But tell me so, again, buzzwords. Good politics uh, answer, but get, you know, give us a real- Very practically, on the bone. yeah,
1: very practically. I ran for state senate at 24, and when you're knocking on someone's door on a Saturday morning, you have to explain to them, what are you gonna do to improve their state? I was a, a board member at my community college at 18. I had to convince both my peers that I could understand and represent them, and my peers at the board that I could actually articulate and create policy with them. Even when I was five, I gave my first speech and I had to convince that crowd that I was worth listening to and had something to say. And what so was that funny,
2: speech? Do we have a video of that? Can I see? That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> there might be a video of it somewhere in my grandparents. mom story. and dad. I was gonna say mom and dad's got to have that somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, it was in church. So they were, you know, a little bit kinder to me than maybe another audience might have been. But it was what? You, when you're five, what do you know? You know, it was my right. spiritual report card. Have you checked your spiritual report card? That's all I knew about, you know,
2: that's awesome. You, I, you know, st- what? I need to do that anyway. How do I check my spiritual sales p- card? <laughs> I'll
0: go dig up the
1: speech and we'll help you out with
2: that. Wait, yeah, like,
0: but you ran for state Senate at 24 years old.
1: Yeah, so not US Senate. Some folks, you know, mix it up with that. But apparently it's impressive. I think it's that... It's a big
2: deal, dude. That's impressive. Cool. It's the highest
1: office you can run it's for little, at 24.
2: It's, Scott, it's only, it's, apparently it's impressive, Scott. What yeah. did you do at 24, yeah. Scott? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you know where I was at 24.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> was the question why?
0: No, i just, like, I'm just, I guess, blown away. I mean, it, it, to me, it's extremely impressive and, you know, tells me that you're somebody who, from a very young age, um, you know, is driven. And, and fearless and had big goals and was not afraid of big challenges and, and, and whatnot. I mean, what, what did politics teach you about sales that you're able to apply now?
1: Well, first, I just want to touch briefly on why politics. Um, sure. Growing up where I grew up, I grew up in North Chicago, Illinois, um, Zion, Illinois. And though those were technically suburbs, at times those communities were tough. And I experienced things, single parent home, danger in the community at times and when you experience stuff like that you can either be a part of the the problem if you will or you can go be a part of the solution and so i had a very strong sense of mission in terms of how do i lift my community right and so fast forwarding a bit you know what did i take from politics first and foremost the ability to understand who you are i think a lot of salespeople don't get this i think marketers get it a little bit better You cannot articulate your product if you don't understand your product, right? And in politics, you are the product if you're running for office. So having that sense of identity. And then also, this might seem a little philosophical, but having a sense of purpose. So what I sell now, I don't just sell it because I'm trying to make a deal. I sell it because of the outcome it has on the company and the candidate. And that purpose is what drives me to help
2: grow Victory Lab. Where did you get that? Like, so obviously even something before five stuck with you from, from some leader, mentor, family member, like, you know, you know, is the story that, you know, you came out sort of already, you know, telling people what to do and hard charging.
1: Like, I definitely got told I talked too much. And my mom says that I was talking my first day on earth. She says, most babies don't try and talk. I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> Uh, Mom, I've mastered that. By the way, um, you know I don't know that.
2: I think there's just that fight or He's flight. He's still going to ask you to take it out of the trash, though. Just so you know, just because <laughs> you're the master, right? You still got to take out They're
1: the trash. Always on me about taking out the trash. I never took <laughs> out too. enough trash. By the way, right? Um, <laughs> I think it's at the simplest level a fight or flight sort of situation. Um, but you know, growing up in faith too, like just wanting to be someone that can impact others in a positive way. You know, that can be very tangible, like feeding them. It could be very intangible, like empowering them. But I guess I was raised to believe that I had something in me worth giving. And so i have just yeah, so, like trying to do that.
2: So what do you, and this, I always love to go deep on this stuff. Um, but so, so, so what is it about, I, I assume it was your mom raising you based on what you've said so far? Mom and grandparents. Yeah. Have mom, so where do you think they got it from? Right. Like this is this is an amazing piece that, you know, not you pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But here, let me let me help you learn how to help other people. You All know, will due
1: respect. I didn't I don't think we got a pair of boots. Right. So um, I think to answer your question, it's life kicking them in the butt. It's, it's true for me. I got less kicks in the butt than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather got less kicks in the butt than his father and his father was right. a slave. So. I mean, all due respect, like it's just going through stuff. You can either lay down and die or you can get it done. And, you know, it's funny because there's a parallel in sales with that. A lot of people complain about a hard quota. It's like, okay, well, you're never going to achieve it if you don't try. Right. Mm -hmm. So at least give it your best shot. And that's the only way to get better. So whether it's life or sales or whatever, you got to give it your best shot.
2: Were Were you the athlete growing up too? Did you have that competitive drive? Or were you more the? Yeah, I played kid?
1: sports. I I was never as good as I wanted to be, but I I definitely played sports. A Bit of a late that, bloomer, that, if you will.
2: Yeah, that's got to. He never was as as good as he wanted to be in sports. <laughs> well,
1: he um, looks like Teen Wolf right now, so. I, he does look. <laughs> <laughs> basketball <laughs> court's probably kind of like right about now. Yeah.
2: I'm, so, I'm, I'm going
1: to
0: take that compliment that Blake thinks he's Blake's talking about how young I look. Is really what? He yeah, is.
2: exactly. I know. I'm looking at Blake, and I'm going. 24. What was that last year you ran for state Senate? Oh like, was man, that? Too,
0: kind. <laughs> too kind. I'm not even 30 yet. Put <laughs> let, me, it that let, me, way. let me ask you a question, Blake. Um, one of the things that I have been impressed with and I'm like proud of in a way of uh, people of your age and stage, stage in your career and even younger is I think, I think that up and comers now are a lot more fearless than I was and even am right now to this day. Um, I find myself like hesitating to reach out to certain people that I know and that I've had conversations with sometimes because I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to bother them or whatever, but people like you and, and I'm thinking of, you know, Sarah from, from Gong and I had this conversation with uh, this uh, upcoming salesperson named Andre McBride that I've been talking, talking to. And, you know, he's making a transition right now trying to get in sales for the first time. And like, this guy is fearless, man. You know, he's just asking for my time all over the place and it doesn't bother me. I I respect it a ton. And so why do you think, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that, you know, some of the folks your age or your stage in your career are more fearless than I was? Is this, is this my problem only? Or do you think, do you think that that's true? Like your, your, your era of sales leaders, um, is a little more fearless and you're going after what you want sooner and being more direct about it.
1: I mean, I'll try to answer it like kind of globally and then bring it a little closer to home. I think from a generational perspective, um, millennials and even Gen Gen Zers to a certain extent have been shown that this world rewards ambition. You know, you want to go send a rocket to Mars, give it a shot. So there's that. And I, I agree, Sarah, Andre, Morgan Ingram, you can go on and on. You know, these folks, they're they are fantastic, right? And I won't speak for them. I'll speak for myself. The reason why is like, one, I had nothing to lose. You're going to send me back to nothing in the hood with nobody around me? Like, okay, I've been there and I've got here so I can figure out how to build that house all over again. Yeah. And the second thing is something I call the gratitude gap. So... I think for a lot of folks, they get really entitled and, and that entitlement causes them to kind of pause, if you will, it's like, I expect this, I expect this to happen for me. And then when it doesn't, they kind of get knocked back a little bit. And where the gratitude gap comes into play is the gap between where your gratitude is and where your entitlement is, is what determines your happiness and satisfaction. Now, if that entitlement gets above your gratitude, that determines your frustration. So for me, it was always about being grateful because with entitlement, you lose twice. You're frustrated by what you have and you're frustrated by what you've yet to receive. Whereas gratitude, I'm grateful for everything I got and anything more is gravy. So, I mean, that perspective has guided me too.
2: Scott, he just nailed us, dude. He just nailed us.
0: Yeah, that gratitude <laughs> gap is fantastic. I've never heard of that. That's
2: a, me either. That's amazing. I'll steal that, by the way. No, it's yours. I would it's, not.
0: It's yours. It's, so. it's, it's been uh, trademarked here on this recording. It's, it's Absolutely.
2: Now. It's legally mine. I, 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 I can resonate
0: you what you're talking about in terms also about like, um, you know, almost like the worst thing that could happen. What are you going to do? Go back to the hood, you said. It's like I, I didn't experience that until I was 23. And for me, it's all around my, my health and, and, and things like that. And I, I didn't get fearless until I was 27, really. Trying to go out into the the sales world, um, and I thought, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, I've already, I've already come from this. I've already cheated death, right? <clears throat> so that, that makes that makes a ton of sense to me. But now you're on you're on your own, in a sense, at Victory Lab. You don't have anybody to bounce ideas off or or kind of compete with, whatever. So, what is it like being a sales team of one right now? And how long have you been selling by yourself. What's to, that say,
1: like? to say I have nobody is, is a bit of an overstatement because I'm okay. surrounded by sales talent. It's a sales company that, you know, we're selling salespeople to salespeople. So Brian Barr created the onboarding de- department for Groupon. Keegan Chapman has managed hundreds of people. Like I have those people that I can rely on every day. Ryan Walker, same thing. John Carlson, same thing. These are people I can go to with pretty much any sales question I might have. Not to mention the community and network, TNS, Thursday Night Sales, Revenue Genius, like Rev Genius, all these groups. So I have support. We'll just say that. And then in terms of doing it by myself, something shifted when I realized like, I have to be my VP of sales, my manager, and my SDR, and my AE all at once, right? It's like I have to set the vision, create the playbook, right? We had one, and I had to create a new one post-COVID. Now we'll have to create a new one with the new product but what's the playbook what are the kpis how do i hold myself accountable where do i improve what do you think think
0: that and i think the answer is obvious but like do you feel like you're um you know shrinking or do you think you're learning so fast that like your trajectory towards being a vp of sales and somebody who builds out and scales a big sales organization is like expedited because of everything you're having to do like you're, you're doing all of these things, all these different roles that fall under a sales org. a lot of what you're doing is, is what a CRO VP of sales does. Is that the, is that the trajectory that, that you want to, to be on? And do you feel like you're getting, you know, kind of a, a education in, in how to be a VP right now?
1: Yes. To answer simply and honestly, I think, you know, Brian talks to me, there's this concept of, you know, create uh, manage and do and I've been on the doer side of sales make the calls, send the emails um, I've seen a little bit of that management side it's like are they making the calls are they making the emails and how do they do that better and my my goal and my desire is to be able to create and not just the systems but like I want to talk to people on my team and let them know that I see them let them know that their role and their work in the company is valuable. I think when people feel seen and they know what their job is and that they're doing it well, I mean, that that's amazing. Right. And then they're on fire and you can guide them. So I want to be in that role eventually. So I got to get those skills.
2: Blake, I expect you to get three job offers before this podcast is, well, the answer is, is no, because re- I was released,
1: it. They, can ask, but they can
2: ask. you know, so uh, I mean like, I don't know. I know very few people at your age and stage of your career who have this much vision. I, I sure as heck didn't. Um, I was, I was a bumbling idiot and sometimes I feel like I still am. Um, but I mean, it's just,
1: I have my bumbling idiot moments too.
2: Well, well, that's a whole other story. Believe me, (laughs) We're, we're, we're going to do the, we need to do a wives club edition. Yeah. And, um, I, I think we should absolutely have your wife on that one, by the way. Um, so uh, it's, the, it's, the only, <laughs> it's the only place my sales ratio is, is in the negative is with my wife. Um, have you started to, when you look at people, right? Because you've, you've taken this upon yourself, right? And you, you're way more mature beyond your years, uh, which is amazing. And as you've looked at people who've led you, and this is for other people, right? Like trying to to explain to them, what are the things that a good leader does to help Blake be the best Blake, right? What kinds of things are, you know, as you look for these, whether you want to call it a mentor or the Mm -hmm. people you're working with, you know, what motivates you? What what kind of leaders motivate you?
1: Uh, I'm a big believer in the five love languages. It's a great book. If you haven't checked it out, it'll improve your relationships. Um, For me, my love language is... uh, words of affirmation and so when someone tells me i'm doing something well i'm only getting started like i'm gonna take that thing to a whole nother level right and i I want to improve i want to make sure that that thing i'm seeing as good at i'm great at now on the flip side like i'm all about you know constructive criticism and feedback as well i mean i ran for office so clearly i'm all for constructive criticism but um I I think when someone can call out, "Hey Blake, this is where you're doing great. This is an area where if you improve, it'll affect you and the people around you in this way." And so, just having those words, having that that constant communication for me is the best leadership style.
2: But um, what have been some of your your I what some of your setbacks or failures, like, as you, cause you know, you're, you're a guy who obviously likes feedback. You're willing to stick your neck out there and try and figure it out. What's been one of your bigger lessons, uh, in sales
1: In sales. Okay. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a situation where three months into a role I had hit quota basically three times and then I came back after Christmas break and like quota had doubled and I my focus had had halved so I went from doing inbound and outbound and quota was 15 to just inbound quota's 30 good luck and I'm like what and so I found myself just for lack of a better term sulking for three months a whole quarter wasted on sulking And it sucked. It was frustrating. It's embarrassing to look back on. But I'm grateful for it because after that three months, I saw my colleagues going through the exact same thing. This quote is unobtainable. I'm not going to be able to make this happen. Sulking. And what I tried to convey to them was is this, listen, you can't control your quota, but you can control your effort. They said they want us to make this many dials. We're going to 3x that this month. And if we have quota, then we're wrong. If we miss quota, then we have an argument to make. And so myself and a couple other SDRs, we went and just started shattering call activity records. And we got closer to quota. And some months passed it and some months didn't. But you know what? We pushed
0: ourselves and we grew. As What, a what, what, what led you to get out of the... Uh the sulking mood that sulking mindset the gratitude gap
1: i i didn't know it at the time i didn't label it like that but that's what it was i saw people around me yeah i should have been promoted by now they aren't giving me the right tools i need a new sales navigator account and i'm like i mean they gave me a laptop i live in the city I'm getting. A but, you were, but
0: you were, but you were sulking for three months, and did you just like have a dream one night, and the gratitude gap showed up in your dream, and you changed overnight? Was it a <laughs> series of series of small events? Like what?
2: What happened? You no,
0: know, as as weird as my sound, I'm I'm kind of a sucker
1: for like dates. So for example, like my ten thousandth day on Earth was August eighth, twenty eighteen. Why I know that I don't know, but like April first, I woke up and I was like, damn it. I'm tired of sucking. I'm I'm at least like, this is what it was. I was frustrated. I was, this quote is not fair. This process doesn't work. These leads they want me to call don't work. But I knew in my heart of heart, I couldn't make that argument. I didn't have a leg to stand on. I didn't, you know, so many reps are like this doesn't work. Did you try it? So I tried it. April 1st, I was like, I'm making three X the calls. And the second I came back and made more and the third and the fourth and so on and so forth. But that's what it was. It was a Monday it was an April 1st and I was like, let's get after it.
2: Happy birthday to Richard. Thank you. That's my birthday. So I appreciate you. That's a great birthday present. <laughs> um, hey, I know I'm going to completely turn this around. You, you know, people can't see it, but what happened to your wrist? What'd you do? So <laughs> you're in a cast beating back all
1: my haters. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I fell on it playing basketball actually back in December. Um, so I, Before COVID, man, I was a big hooper. I'd play four or five times a week, loved it. It was a healthy addiction. Um, But then I fell on this and tore it, got an MRI in January. But between COVID, new job, new insurance, I wasn't able to get uh, surgery until about three weeks ago. But I'm grateful for it because I knew I wasn't going to have basketball and I had to fill that time somehow. Turned to LinkedIn. Started telling my story. Started telling my my company's story. Now I've got a whole new thing. That I wouldn't have had if I was still just playing basketball. So I will play when I get back in about two months. But until then, I'm gonna keep posting content. I
2: was gonna say, I just think you're gonna keep practicing your right-handed dribble, right? You're just, yeah, you know that's gonna that be part, the, that part. That part's key. not
1: bad. Well, work on the left a little bit. Come back. <laughs> yeah.
2: What? Um, talk about the first time you sort of decided to go to LinkedIn, right? And 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 make yourself public, right? We Scott and I talk to people all the time about. You know, should I shouldn't I did you care did you not care what What was sort of your mindset to say alright I got to do this I'm so glad
1: you asked that because you know it's something that a lot of people struggle with first and foremost let's just call it out you're afraid someone's gonna say well that's not right you're not an expert who are you to say and you just have to accept that if that person says that you say thanks for your comment and move on the reality is you are an expert, you're an expert in you. And so when you take your experiences and your perspective on those experiences and you apply them in practical ways, you got something to talk about. For me personally, I wanted people to know that Victory Lap is the premier sales education company. I believe in that because it literally changed my life. I went from living in my parents' house to living downtown Chicago because of Victory Lap. And so when you have that sort of passion, that sort of mission, I think that is what you need to get started. And from there, literally the secret ingredient, the answer is consistency. Just do it every day. The first two weeks, no one even knows you exist. So mess up, it's fine, learn something. But after a while, you're gonna start realizing, whoa, people are liking this, whoa, people are commenting. So it's, it's about mission and consistency.
0: Do you have, wanna, a, goal, do you have a, goal, a goal with your LinkedIn? <clears throat> what, are, what are some of the, the goals for you? specifically around branding and and reuse of the platform.
1: I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to be on like the LinkedIn top sales voice. That was the sort of carrot, the shiny object that I was like, "Oh, I can chase that. But like really the actual focus is just like with my public speaking that I do, I speak and I write for the one, right? There's always one person in your audience who really needs to hear what you have to share that's just the mindset you have to take as a, as a content creator, as a speaker, producer of those sorts of things. So I'm trying to write for that, you know, Blake in January whose quota just got doubled and he's like, why even try? Well, try because this is your craft, Blake, you're going to sell something after that company. So get better at it for the sake of getting better at it. Right. Stuff like that.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to push you back on that one a little bit. Um, you're not doing it for the one as much as everybody says that that's like the, that's what I call the fake humble brag. You are doing it for the many. You really are. Scott and I aren't doing the podcast for the one we're doing it for the people who want to hear it. I talk about mental health a lot. I specifically don't go out and say, I'm just here to try and help one person get better with their mental health. No, I want to help as many people as I can. It's kind of up to the crowd to decide whether I'm helping one or not. Right. So Think, you know, I just encourage you to sort of maybe look at it a different way. And I don't know that I'm right, and I don't know that mine's the right way, but it's just like I keep hearing the one. Well, we're not going to effectively create real change in the world if we just do it one person at a time. I mean, yeah, it kind of has to be one person at a time, but we need a lot of work. I love what you said,
1: and I, respectfully, you know, so. I'll push back a little bit too. So I absolutely want to speak to the masses. I absolutely want large-scale change. It's not about 100,000 followers, though. It's about impacting 100,000 people. Correct. And so when I say I write and speak for the Agreed. one, truly, I want to write as if one person is reading that, not as if I'm writing to 100,000 people. And so that helps me, I think, like keep my sort of avatar in mind of who I'm trying to help. But it also helps as a, as a copywriter, just writing something that someone can relate to, that they can connect with, because it seems personal to them. So that, that's what I mean by that, but I, I know the stereotype that you're getting at about the humble brag there. Yeah.
2: Cool. I appreciate that pushback. So how how are you doing with everything that's going on in the world, right? You're, Not well. you're a young African American man. Yeah, talk to a, if you don't mind talking, like we we wanna we wanna explore that and um, sorry to cut you off there, but one sort of in the presence. No, 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 please don't don't apologize. Um Certainly, how are you doing now and, and what you're doing, but how do you find the motivation to keep doing what you have done, knowing that it's, it is just a little bit harder for you right? in sales or life or whatever, just because people are going to, unfortunately, see, you, see your skin color? Like, I, I really want to understand this and give you a, a voice and a platform to, to share mm-hmm. with people.
1: Thank you for asking that question and bringing this topic up. The truth is I'm not doing well. And as my mom would say, the reason why I'm able to push on is I've been black all my life. This might be new for a lot of people. This might be the first time they've talked about it. But you know what? It's a privilege to learn about racism instead of experiencing it. And, you know, I have no other option but to push on, push, press on. So there's that. That's not even in the, in my mindset. What's frustrating though, is this. It is seeing people turn this topic into a political or a philosophical debate. Hey, let's talk about systemic racism. Is it real? Is it not? Meanwhile, people are literally in the streets dying. This is my actual life. I could be George Floyd. They don't care about my master's degree. They don't care about my quota. They're not asking those questions. I'm dead. And you're more worried about the Wendy's that's burned down instead of me. That hurts. Hurts a lot.
2: I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I, I apologize if I've made you uncomfortable. I hope it's coming with the best of okay, intentions. Rich, I think we do need to talk. So thank you. Um, what can, how, how can Scott and I be better? Like we know we're doing things. We're having these conversations. We're trying to share it out there, but yeah. And, and we're reading the books and we're doing those things, but my biggest concern is that, you know, in another ten days it just sort of falls away. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm I'm working real hard on some projects that well, did, doesn't let that happen. Can,
0: can, let me chime in. Yeah, go I ahead, Scott. Jump in. And Blake can can take a second. But you know, one of the things that, that I've been been doing and I had this conversation with uh with my friend Kevin K D the other day, Kevin Dorsey. Um, you know, we were like just grab two and go. That was the phrase, grab two and go. Meaning, every single day is my job and your job, Richard, to grab two people and go and take them with us and take action somehow. Whatever the form that action takes, whether it's donating money or amplifying voices or providing opportunity or mentoring, coaching or education or, or teaching our kids to be better than those who've You know come before us and whatnot is grab two and go and and that seems like a very doable thing um it doesn't sound on in a single day maybe like it'll make a huge massive impact but if i grab two and go every day that's 700 and you know i can't do math 365 times two right 700 plus people that that i can impact to take some action and if those 700 people grab two and go that's how that's how maybe we we bring about you know some some change and you know we have collectively dropped the ball and not not done enough you know it has nothing to do with Blake has nothing to do with Kevin has nothing to do with Nikki has nothing to do with Morgan it's it's me and you you know and
2: completely agree
0: and, and and for whatever reason to be complicit in that um, whatever reason, now, 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 there's like, there's no turning back. I think, you know, and I'm doing, I'm doing more than I ever have before, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't intend for this to be a moment at all. I intend for this to be a, a everyday, a everyday thing, and I, and I think that that's what is within our sphere of influence and control right now. And if we get to a place where we have a bigger sphere of influence and more control, then we fucking do more. But for right now, if I can grab two and go, you know, there's something positive there.
1: Yeah. Grab two and go sounds like the, the very best multi-level marketing plan there is. Um, And I'm all for it. I, I want to be very clear before we even continue with this topic for those that might be hearing this and thinking, Oh, here we go again. I am not, Black people are not asking for some sort of advantage over you. We are, we've been disadvantaged. We're used to that. What I'm asking for is an equality of opportunity. Just give me a chance. I don't need an equality of outcome, just equality of opportunity. So I wanted to say that. To your point about grab to and go, I, I wrote a post lately, uh, maybe two weeks ago. It was my first quote unquote viral post, and I couldn't have picked a better one. I saw a lot of prominent figures in the sales community asking, what can I do? What can I do? And much like yourself, it was very, very practical, very small, very doable, but over time that expands. And so I started by asking them, look at your sphere of influence because that is where you are able to create the greatest change. If you're the president, maybe your sphere of influence is the world. But if you're the president of your company, maybe the sphere of influence is your company. How many black people, if you want to help that group, Have you hired? Have you managed, mentored, promoted, worked for? Because if the answer is none, I think we found a place for you to start. But from there, there's a lot of individuals that are looking for a chance. There's an Andre McBride out there who is ready to work his face off. And if you want someone that's going to not only excel, but raise the standard for your team, you find an Andre. You bring him on your team. But you got to be looking for those, Andres, first. Um, So that's that's where I'm at with that.
0: And then, and it's and it's not, it's not, it's not fucking hard. It's not it's not rocket rocket science. You know what I mean? I I have. I don't want to make it about me. I've I've been doing particular things this month, coaching people and whatnot. You know, we we booked of the last forty bookings we have for the podcast, thirty-three of them are people of color or women in sales, mm-hmm. this, this is not complicated. You know, this is just actions, not words. This is just executing on a particular strategy and giving people opportunity. And, you know, other sales leaders out there, other people hosting podcasts and whatever business and discipline that they're in, it, it's something within your, your control and something that can impact your sphere of influence, like, uh, like Blake's talking about you know, and it, and it, and it needs to, and, and hopefully will continue, you know, until things change in a substantive, uh, substantive way, substantial way, you know, what can we do not to, not to pivot too aggressively, but, uh, what can we do to help you in terms of, you know, your, your selling and and your career? Uh, Is there any questions that you want to ask us? Is there any, you know, initiatives or projects that you're working on that you want to kind of talk about and, and you know kind of shed some more light on how can we be be helpful to you specifically i mean i'm gonna be really honest with you guys you could help me get on some other podcasts i really appreciate that because i think the Done. message i have is worth sharing I, I promise you right now after your performance on this podcast you're gonna get a couple inbounds like uh yeah
2: but what, we'll, what we're doing we'll at definitely...
0: is really
1: special And I want to tell people about it because it changes lives. My story. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's it's impactful. I know because people have told me and I want to tell that. And there's Andre McBride's out there and other folks who I want to elevate. I want to use the platform that I'm given to talk about people that are up and coming as well, because for as up and coming as I am, I'm still a couple of rungs above someone and I want to help them out. So that's that's what would help me.
2: Done. That's awesome. I I got four people I can already think of. Yeah. Probably the same s- the Scott has, but definitely well, want to get I'll you in those. I'll things.
0: make sure to grab a grab a different four. You know.
2: Yeah. So um, obviously LinkedIn's an easy place for people to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're welcome if you want to give out your, your work email address because they want to hear about Victory Lap and how you guys are on this mission. Uh, where can they get a hold of you workwise?
1: Very simply, Blake at
2: Victorylap.io. So easy. I wish my email address was so simple.
0: Well, you're the one that made your company. Yeah, right? you can change I it. I
2: know. I know. God, it's it's the bane of my. Come on, Scott knows me that I toil and struggle with this one simple decision for years. So, uh, you know, I I have just to use, abuse myself.
0: Just start yeah. using your Richard at SurfAndSales email address. Yeah. By the way, Blake,
2: do you are you are you a surfer or will you become one when we can finally have another Surf and Sales and come with us? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. We'd sounds love to like have you, dude. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's made, it's made, it's made for people like you, man.
2: It totally is. Absolutely. Oh. So. Somebody,
0: somebody, who's, somebody who's ready to learn, wants to be part of a, you know, little, little micro community and network. like. Oh, that. Yeah. And
1: I'm have, all about riding the wave.
0: It sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Me. Right. There we go. All right, cool. man. We, we appreciate you a ton and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, you know, the more I get to know you, the more invested I am, man. So. I'm blown
2: away. Like half the time I've been sitting here listening. I'm like, I could listen to this guy talk for hours. Like you just have that presence about you. So uh, thank you for the time and and been a real fun to get to know you.